Hi, my name is Shannon. And I'm Emma. And welcome back to We're Sorry We Can't, Don't Hate Us. I'm sorry I can't, don't hate me. The motherfucker's concise. I revealed too much too soon. I was emotionally slutty. Okay, I'm a big whore. I think we have a stiff breeze. I'll give you $100 if you say something bitchy about someone we know. So Emma, let's just get, let's get into it. We're kind of talking today about self-perception and we're going to kind of get into this and with a few episodes, but um, I'm wondering, because Carrie kind of, she asks as much, um, like, do we ever see ourselves fully? So I'm wondering if you've ever had a moment where someone else perceived you, the way someone else perceived you was really different than how you saw yourself. Oh, I've totally had moments like that. Um, One that sticks out for me, actually, is kind of, it's a little meta because they pointed out how other people might uh, see me. But anyways, I was actually traveling with our producer, Steven, and (laughs) your partner, Riley. We were traveling in another city and we were just walking. I don't even remember where. We were just like walking through a market or something and And Riley says to me, my friend says to me, like, oh, that person was checking you out. And like, did you notice? I remember specifically that question, like, did you notice that? And I was like, no, (laughs) like, absolutely not in any sort of way, shape or form. And he was like, oh, like, 100 percent. And like, you like, you know, you're an attractive person, right? Like that people would look at. And I was just like. No, (laughs) I was just, it was such a like weirdly just like a comment that came as kind of a surprise. And, and I, I don't think that I want to preface that by saying, I don't think that I, you know, have a super negative perception of myself or the way that I look. Um, but I never have seen myself and I still don't really see myself as somebody who's like, damn, like walking down street. So yeah, that's definitely a moment for me that kind of changed. I wouldn't say it fully changed my perception, but it kind of made me think a little. But what Mm. about you? What about you? What's your moment? Yeah, you know, I've definitely had a couple moments um, where, yeah, somebody like refers to me as attractive and I'm like... Excuse me, <laughs> bug, bug eyes, um, self-deprecating joke. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, my so my moment is um, it's from high school, and I was uh, really I was really really shy, and I think that I personally don't I don't really think very highly of myself, especially like as a sixteen year old. Um, I kind of spent like a lot of time trying to trying to please other people and kind of be the person that they wanted me to be. And I remember like after I'd kind of befriended this person and we got to know each other a little bit, she was like, yeah, I, when I first met you, I thought you were really intimidating and I was really, really scared to talk to you. And that was like, yeah, that kind of blew my mind. Cause I was just like, I'm so scared to talk to everyone. <laughs> I'm so like, I'm so nervous about that. So it was just, um, 
yeah, really intriguing that that was the vibe that that she got, which obviously like kind of dissolved as she got to know me and got to actually talk to me more. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it just made me think a lot about like how, yeah, how other people like see me without me actually saying anything. It's kind of funny how people who are shy are seen as intimidating because <laughs> mm-hmm. I've definitely received that comment as well. And I think I'm a little more outgoing now, but when you don't go out of your way to be like directly friendly to people that could kind of be perceived as rudeness or, you know, being stuck up. And Mm -hmm. I think that as I get older, like I kind of am less insecure about talking to people and maybe go out of my way to talk to that shy person. But that intimidating thing, I think is a very common (laughs) belief when people are meeting new people for the first time, especially when they're a little bit on the quieter side. Yeah, for sure. I I think I really was able to work through it when I got my first customer service job because it just like forces you to to be nice to people and to be more outgoing. So <laughs> I credit um, good old Claire's for making me sell uh, cheap jewelry to people and <laughs> breaking through my shell. That's amazing. I feel like that could be a full episode, how we <laughs> broke through our shells. Um, which I suppose is kind of related to what we're talking about today. The, the real me versus the perception of you, but yeah, go ahead. What are we talking about today? Yeah. So we're kind of talking about three episodes today and they kind of jump across, um, different seasons, but they all kind of address this theme of self-perception and like, yeah, this kind of tension between how we see ourselves and how others see us. So we're talking about Attack of the Five Foot Ten Women from season three, The Real Me from season four, and Critical Condition from season five. Um, And it was kind of interesting to, yeah, to watch all of these episodes back to back because they are, you know, jumping across time and space and the universe of Sex and the City. But um, I was curious how they all still had like a lot of similarities um, between them. Um, and yeah, just because we're we're jumping across a few different seasons, we'll just really quickly recap the episode. So um, Attack of the Five Foot Ten Women, Carrie is consumed with comparing herself to Natasha after learning that Natasha and Big are officially married and she tries really, really hard to meet Natasha on her level. Um, the real me, Carrie is asked to join a fashion show and grapples with how others see her and whether or not she is quote unquote real model material. And then critical condition um, where Carrie's book is released and reviewed by a top New York Times critic um, who everybody just commits to uh a racist pronunciation of the name. Um, and she also learns that she's been getting reviews of herself from her past relationships. Three fantastic episodes. I just want to say The Real Me is a classic Sex in the City episode. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like, for, I know different fans like start at different points in the series for when they do their rewatches. And I always start with season four. Um, yeah, because this, this episode is just stand out. It's, um, it's top, top tier. 
That's so funny that you say you always start with season four, because I am that person that I have to start from the beginning. Oh, really? I don't know why, if it's because I just am very, what's the word? I don't want to say anal, but like a little bit, (laughs) a little bit on the, on that side of the spectrum. But yeah, I would always start with season one. And I, I do kind of like season one, even though, even with all of its, uh, weird talking to the camera points and all that yes no season one one is great sometimes you want to jump in though and they're um they're all a little more settled in (laughs) into their characters true true um but yeah why are we talking about these three episodes today yeah um so i'm really interested in self-perception um i don't think it's something that's really discussed very openly. And I think there's a lot of different um, cultural norms around how we perceive ourselves, how we're supposed to perceive ourselves, um, what's good and what's bad about that. Like, um, we kind of see this in in one of the episodes, but um, putting somebody else down to to feel better about yourself, um, or this like really strong fear of being perceived as having a false sense of self. So the way that you, the way that you think about yourself is really different than how others see you and you're not seeing yourself truthfully. Um, but yeah, I, I personally feel like really impacted and I like, I have a really <laughs> negative distorted perception of myself. Um, especially like when I, when I first watched the series as a teen, um, still do still working through it it's all good um and we always will I mean we (laughs) kind of talked about how especially well I'll let you get into it we'll get into it (laughs) yeah I mean it's yeah exactly it's it's a work in progress and it's just something that you always kind of have to if it's a struggle for you you have to work to reaffirm it and like dismantle like the distortion and perception or the distorted perception that you have um but yeah, it's kind of just watching these three episodes really made me um, come return to how much I love Samantha as a character because I think she's just very attuned with how she sees herself and she exudes so much confidence. And I just want to live in the world where that's that's me. <laughs> so you would you do the nude photo shoot? Not only would I do the nude photo shoot, but I have done the nude photo shoot. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't, um, as like bare balls to the cameras as Samantha did. (laughs) Um, but yeah, no, I had a a really beautiful like photo shoot with one of my best friends, um, where I was naked in her bathtub. Um, and then she like printed out these enormous prints of her beautiful images and I hung them up around my apartment. Um, and was forever placed in an awkward situation when my family would come over. <laughs> I I love that though. It's like even if you know you can't fully dismantle that, like we talked about, we may never, or like we will talk about, we may never fully dismantle that. But you were still allowed that moment. You were still allowed mm-hmm. that like Samantha exuding confidence moment. And I think that's beautiful. I was about to swear. I shouldn't swear. <laughs> I think that's very beautiful. 
I was definitely more confident after the photos came out <laughs> and I saw the final product. It's yeah, it otherwise is very vulnerable. So I admire her for just being ready to have the shots done. <laughs> Amazing. Um, yeah, I, I also, I too wish that we could live in this world of Samantha where confidence is just oozing out of our bodies, but she still does have a few moments of self-doubt. I mean, when she brings the, uh, what does she bring? Oh yeah. She brings the print. I was like, how long ago is this? There were no digital cameras, right? (laughs) She brings the prints to get framed and she still kind of wants that little moment with the guy who Mm. is working at the the frame shop. And she still kind of like nudges a little bit and says, look at my ass. Like she says something (laughs) about how she wants it to like compliment the shading on her boobs or something. I don't even remember, but um it's just funny to think and it, and it does kind of like expose that vulnerability in a good way for Mm -hmm. Samantha. It's like, yes, she's an aspirational character to look up to in that sense, but we all still have our moments of self doubt. Yeah. Yeah. And, and wanting that kind of validation from, from other people. Like she, she feels really confident in herself. Like she'll do the nude photo shoot and like, she knows that she looks hot she wants to remind herself of it. But, um, it, it would be nice if, if one other person was also like, yes, you are hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, let's get, let's, let's talk about these episodes. Um, we can kind of maybe go episode by episode and, and break it down. Um, so let's start with the talk of the five foot 10 women. Um, and let's talk about Carrie in this episode. Cause this is a very Carrie, I mean, they're all, but <laughs> this is a particularly Carrie centric episode. <laughs> this is definitely a Carrie episode where people, um, might be really critical of Carrie for, you know, mm-hmm. being a little self-involved, but, you know, she's kind of going through a crisis. She sees her ex-husband's new wife. They're married mm-hmm. at this point, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Freshly minted. Freshly minted. <laughs> but she sees her and she is just going down this spiral of self-criticism. Mm-hmm. What does she say to her? What does she say about her? Uh, yeah, so she she has this really vulnerable moment, which always it just like really sticks with me because I've I've had these moments. Um, but she compares Natasha. Uh, she she says she's shiny hair, style section Vera Wang, and in comparison, I'm the sex column. They run next to ads for PL implants. And then she kind of breaks down in tears. Um, yeah. And like, I've just had so many of those moments where like you, you're just, you're comparing yourself to this other person and you kind of destroy yourself in the process. And like, I, I so that was one moment during this episode where like, I really, I really felt for her. Yeah. I, I love Charlotte in that moment because she really has a strong um, 
display of friendship there. She kind of follows Carrie to her apartment, not in a creepy way, but, (laughs) you know, she follows Carrie into her apartment. She says, look, I know you're going to read this. I know you're going to be upset. She knows her friend so well. She knows herself well. She knows women well (laughs) to be like, I'm going to sit with you. We're going to read it together. And I think, I think that in all the acting of sex, you know, sometimes it's a little bit like unrealistic perhaps, but I think that it's moments like these that are very real and like we've all been there and it's like, you can watch something like this and be like, oh, that's like kind of silly of Carrie or like, you know, why would they even compare each other? But I I do think that this moment is very well acted and it it Mm -hmm. feels very real. And so- Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like we've all been there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, go ahead. Yeah, it kind of, and then it kind of, um, she she tries to prove herself that she can exist on Natasha's level. Um, and she, she works really hard to get herself to the Women in the Arts luncheon. Um, I can't. Like luncheon, I think is a disgusting word. I don't know why it makes me think of luncheon meat. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't but, know if we're really we're not really luncheon people. <laughs> no, <laughs> definitely sounds what a like lunchables. Right? Yeah, like what a boring sounding event too. Like, what do you what do you do? Do you just like sit around and and drink and talk about the arts that you're not participating in? Like. <laughs> um, yeah, yes. I can definitely see why Carrie never went. <laughs> Honestly, that's a stronger choice. I I I love her for that. Um, but yeah, so she she kind of works really hard. She like buys this dress she can't afford, she buys these shoes she can't afford, she kind of becomes obsessed with um with leveling that like perception of herself to meet that of Natasha. And she actually says at one point that like, this isn't about big, it's it's a Natasha specific obsession. Um, but if you actually think about it, like this comparison only exists because of big and because he chose Natasha instead of Carrie. Um, so this kind of like, she hinges so much on his opinion that it like distorts her own perception of herself. So she thinks she's less than the partner that he like, quote, picked next. Yeah, <laughs> 100%. And and she really goes, so she goes to this luncheon and of course Natasha doesn't show up because she's sick or whatever, which I love your theory on this. Why didn't Natasha show up? Because I think she is experiencing the exact same feelings as Carrie. Like, I think she sees Carrie as this other, this person that Big could have been with. And I think she's equally as um, put off or intimidated by by who Carrie is and who she thinks she is in comparison. I would definitely be intimidated by Carrie. <laughs> No kidding. Like a sex columnist, like, you know, you can fill in so many blanks if you don't know anything about her. Um, Just like, oh, what kind of life are they living? Yeah. Like, like she calls herself, you know, the sex column they run next to the ads for penile implants. But in truth, she just had a rave review for her writing. She's a successful writer. She dresses well. She appears to have money. I, I mean, we all know she doesn't truly, but 
she dresses in a way that's confident in herself and she has these amazing friends. She goes out on the, you know, like she, uh, from an outside perspective, has a really cool life. So I absolutely love this theory. And this is even before Instagram and all that stuff where you can constantly compare yourself to other people at any moment's notice. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they, they go to the luncheon. Of course, Natasha doesn't show up for, I am 99.9% that like confident that you're correct in that reason. Um, Natasha doesn't show up and Samantha is number one loyal friend in this, in this scene. Samantha goes around the party. She finds any single person to talk to about Natasha and she digs up the dirt. She's like, I've got something for you. But yeah, so Samantha digs up this dirt that is an incredibly fat phobic and kind of horrible negative way to to criticize somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, but she says, oh, uh, she gained 10 pounds in college. She was a whale. I believe mm-hmm. they, they do compare her to some sort of large animal. Um, I think that was later. I think that was a different episode. Oh, yeah. Okay. Apologies. Um, but yeah, basically, Samantha very much reminds me of one of my best friends in this scene, just like take the other person down. But anyways, so I love the moment where Carrie says she kind of looks at Samantha and she's like, was that supposed to make me feel better? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's a really good question. Does putting down other people like truly make us feel better? Yeah, I mean, it was such a it was a funny moment because of how um, how proud Samantha was of herself, like really just scraping the bottom bottom of the barrel to try and make Carrie feel better by like taking Natasha down a peg. Um, And we actually kind of see a similar thing happen at the end of the episode where Carrie gets a handwritten note from Natasha and Natasha has misspelled a version of there or used the wrong version of there. Um, And Carrie is like so smug with discovering this mistake and then immediately calls up Miranda and says, the woman's an idiot. Um, And it just kind of, it felt like a really sour like note to end on. And that coupled with like, you know, Samantha pulling in, I think her name was Jenna. I had Jenna's hairstyle, by the way. She had kind of like a short, like, earlobe length bob that was really flipped out <laughs> amazing that that was me in high school I was I was Jenna <laughs> I love that I I have a bob now but it does not flip out so hopefully <laughs> hopefully that's acceptable <laughs> it's like a lot of work to flip it out so it, it does <laughs> um but yeah it kind of like this energy of putting down like diminishing other women kind of feels very not like other girls. I'm not like other girls. Um, I'm not like Natasha. Natasha is the common girl. I'm not like her. I'm, I'm different. Um, and I know later in, um, 
in season three or maybe it's season two, Carrie kind of like compares herself to a wild, <laughs> a wild horse, a wild woman that cannot be tamed. She has curly hair. That's <laughs> evidence that <laughs> she can't be tamed. Um, <laughs> but it's just kind of like it's really interesting for a show that's so built on female friendships to um, to really narrow in on on taking taking other women down to like make your feel make yourself feel better. I feel like this is one of those episodes that like had it so right, like leading up to it, you know, had the theme just like on point, um, especially talking about Charlotte and we'll get into that soon, but just have just ending on that sour note, just kind of ending on that. Like they took that almost like silly, like almost campy moment with like Samantha you know, putting down the other woman in such a ridiculous way. And they could have gone one way with that. They could have gone, you know, Carrie's like, why, why did I think that would make me feel better? But instead she finds her superiority complex in another, you know, in her intelligence. She thinks that she's smarter than Natasha. Therefore she is better than Natasha, which is just not it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Like, I again, like, I, I think it's so normal, like, after you break up with somebody to, you know, to wonder about, like, who they're going to see next, like, who who's their next partner going to be, like, um, and kind of fill in some of those gaps that you don't necessarily have, like, who are they? Why, like, am, am I not like any of that? Like, are they really different than me? Do they have things that I lack? Like, oh, that must make me less than this other person. Um, so it's like a really normal train of thought. And I think it's really normal to um, like what Carrie does and just like wanting to like really prove to herself that she can be as like good as Natasha. Um, but yeah, to, <laughs> to end on that note, like, oh, well, I'm smarter because I can use the proper there in a handwritten note um, is, yeah, it's a, it's a little bit sour to end on. And I'm not even fully convinced that Natasha wrote that note. I'm, <laughs> I'm so almost, true. I'm like 95%, a lot of percentages today, but I am like <laughs> 95% sure that sh- her assistant wrote it or, you know, somebody who works at her office. Like there's no way she wrote all those thank you notes. <laughs> no kidding. Yes. I think that's such a good call. So like not, Yes, Carrie's just making fun of like some poor assistant that <laughs> had to slave away over these notes, theoretically, but mm-hmm. it's not not it. I also in in this episode, I think Carrie's question is kind of foolish. Um, she asks, "Are there women who just exist to make us feel bad about ourselves?" Um, which no, <laughs> I don't think there are. Um, but I like I do think that there's something like really interesting within that of like how we project and pin our own insecurities about how we perceive ourselves onto others. Like it's their fault for how we see ourselves. Um, and and really, like I think this question stems from not even an issue she has with other women; it's an issue with her ex. Like it's it all comes back to big. <laughs> It, it really does. And that's the thing, like you said earlier, like she would not even be thinking about Natasha if it weren't for big. I don't, I doubt she would even be strutting down the street and like give Natasha to, you know, an extra look 
Like it's, it really comes from that sort of like ex relationship, previous relationship. Like, is she better than me? That's what it's coming from. But there is this weird, um, there's this weird direction that she takes that a lot of us take to project that onto the woman. Mm. You know, it's not, it's not Big's fault. It's not like Carrie thinks is comparing herself to Big or like how she could have been quote unquote better for him. But it really is like, well, why is she better than me? Mm. Which is a really really interesting take on it and very common like incredibly common Mm -hmm. like you said yeah like instead of getting mad at Natasha for being 25 years old and like you know an executive for Ralph Lauren or whatever her prestigious job is and having a rich family that has a house in the Hamptons instead of getting mad at her for all of those things like like why aren't you mad at Big because he married a 25 year old that he knew for six months like I think that shows like way more of his personality than than it does Natasha it also shows a sort of self delusion sorry not self-delusion but the delusion you have of another person Mm. you know like because it's uh, so often I don't know about you but you kind of look back on a relationship and you're like that behavior was not okay or that or you know that actually wasn't the way that I felt at the time or that um yeah like it's kind of just like you have a different vision of what that person is actually like and this Mm -hmm. is kind of like her thinking about big like it's very much putting big on that pedestal like big is an amazing person big never treated me like shit like big did all these amazing things and he's such an amazing man it's all Natasha's fault like it's it's beyond self-delusion it's like (laughs) it's like you're willing to kind of um project that onto onto her you know Mm -hmm. I don't know if that train of thought made sense but it just kind of made me think of how we look at our exes differently once we're no longer with them. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, I I do think that there is like a cultural kind of component to that of like pitting women against each other um, instead of like holding the, the men accountable in whatever relationship love triangle there might be happening. Like um, as a like very recent pop culture example, you could look at like, Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston and like nobody really looks at Brad Pitt <laughs> like why why is it between like Angelina Jolie and Jennifer Aniston um but that's that's a little off off topic <laughs> I also love that you said recent example because I, wasn't that like over 10 years ago yes <laughs> I okay no I I know it sounds like I'm being sarcastic, but I love that because that's exactly what I would think about too. That was such an iconic moment in culture. And you're absolutely right. Like, it's like, well, who's hotter? Angelina Jolie's hotter. Jennifer Anderson is hotter. Like, well, like who cares? It's, it's this weird obsession with like, who's better that you're absolutely right. Like women are pitted against each other. directions let's talk about charlotte in this episode because charlotte goes through um a bit of a a bit of an arc 
Yeah, Charlotte definitely goes through something that I feel like I'm still going through and will Mm -hmm. always go through my entire life. Um, She's definitely feeling some body insecurity after they go to the the steam room. Mm -hmm. She says, I hate my thighs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like this moment has always really stuck out to me. Um, And I think it's really interesting because like for Charlotte's character, because we otherwise don't really ever hear her voice, like any kind of body insecurity or self-consciousness, even when she's pregnant. And that's kind of like um, a common experience a lot of women have to, you know, feel very insecure about your body. Um, We only really hear it here and we hear it repeatedly with I hate my thighs. And I think it kind of hints at like, a really body conscious internal monologue that I think a lot of people, especially women and trans and non-binary like folks experience. Um, And this train of thought is like this body conscious train of thought is just constantly running in our heads, but it's not something that we always vocalize. And I think Charlotte's line here like really struck me (laughs) in my like distorted 16 year old brain because it, like hearing her say that and hearing it become so normalized, like just kind of reemphasized to me, like, oh, like I I can talk about the parts of my body that I hate with my friends. And like, that's just a normal part of conversation. So I took like a lot of those things that I was just thinking and I like gave them life and power by speaking about them um, to my friends. And unfortunately I didn't have a carry that was like, it's all in your head. Um, but yeah, it just, it's always stuck out to me as like a very, um, an interesting part of Charlotte's character that isn't really fully explored. Yeah. It kind of also reminds me of that scene in Mean Girls (laughs) where Lindsay Lohan says, or they're like comparing themselves Mm -hmm. like with Regina George and Gretchen Wieners. Can I remember their names? I can't remember the third one. Um, but anyways, they're all looking in a mirror and they're like, oh, like I look so ugly or like I gained weight and all that kind of stuff. And and Lindsay Lohan's character says, I thought there was just fat and skinny, but it turns out there's lots of ways you can hate yourself. And it's it's kind of I love what you said about how this is this. These are thoughts that are constantly in our heads. They're with us every and maybe not for people who are like Samantha, who live on that sort of dream confidence, <laughs> like <laughs> line. But I do believe that for a lot of people, these are things that we constantly think about. We wake up every morning and get in the shower and put clothes on and it's on our minds. And you're right. That gives so much power when, when Charlotte says like, I hate my thighs, like that gives so much power to that thought and that feeling. Mm. And it is so normalized in our society. Like it's told to us. I think it's really interesting because we, we talk about this show and how it's affected us since we're teens. Right. Mm. Yeah. Um, but this is something that has really been affecting us since we were very, very small. This conversation around disliking yourself, this conversation around food and eating and health, quote unquote, this is something like I remember having these conversations with my, I <laughs> I was in dance for a long time and mm-hmm. having those conversations with other dancers, especially and moms and like, 
you know, these are things that didn't start when we were 14 years old. Like these are conversations and thoughts that started in us when we were like five or six or maybe even earlier. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny that you bring up dance. Like I, there's so many moments from like my experience in dance that like really fucked me up. Like I remember getting measured for group costumes in front of the whole class and for a period of time, like I was always the largest size and people would like mercilessly make fun of me for it. Um, And then one day I wasn't and they were like, stop sucking in, stop sucking in like your, your stomach, like just, just be honest. And I was like, (laughs) wow. (laughs) Like, yeah, there's, but you're so, you're so right. Like to say that, I don't think, I mean, I'm not saying this, but like you can't just watch one show and then that whatever ideas about being body conscious or how you're supposed to look are then projected on you and you internalize them and you go forward. Um, it's something that is there from from the moment you're born and the moment you can like hear words. <laughs> oh my gosh, absolutely. And and I love, I love this moment with Carrie. Like we, you know, they go out for this um, gourmet dessert, like French dessert thing. And Charlotte just orders a fruit cup and she's like, she repeats it. She says, I hate my thighs. And Carrie in a very honest way says to her, like, sweetie, you're crazy. Like you have a beautiful figure, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then they kind of go back and forth and Charlotte says the same thing to her, like, oh, you're, you're stunning, you're skinny, blah, 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 et cetera. But like Carrie kind of points out like, thank you, sweetie. But like, why can't you say those things about yourself? And it, it's just kind of that same thing. It's like, you, you know, that your friends and the people around you, you constantly see those people as better than you. Um, but it's so hard to like have that conversation internally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're not really taught to like, (laughs) especially, yeah, there's, there's so many like depictions of, um, especially like in terms of physicality of like how people are supposed to look, how women are supposed to look. And, um, if you don't meet that, then you should, you should hate yourself (laughs) for not meeting that standard. Um, so it's not, yeah, it's not really normalized to like turn that kind of like kindness that you extend to others, like back to yourself or like, at least I, that's something that like I've had to learn in therapy. <laughs> oh, 100%. And like I said earlier, like I think that it's something that you can kind of grapple with and get better at. Um, but I don't think it's something that truly goes away. I think that it's too ingrained in our society that, you know, it's it's not going to be something that we don't just stop thinking about. Hmm. <laughs> what a what a positive note. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. It's just how embedded it is. And we see like to, to speak to the body consciousness specifically, like we do see a lot of fat phobic comments throughout the series, especially Mm -hmm. in this episode, but throughout the series that I just, you know, you don't even, you don't even think twice about it. It's, it's almost kind of expected, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is really telling of its time as well. I mean, we talked a little bit about um, Bridget Jones and other movies and and media of that time where a lot of the focus was on 
weight and was on like what a woman's body looked like. I do think it's a lot better now, but with something like Bridget Jones, which is, which we discovered we both absolutely love. And I think we have to watch together this Christmas. Um, literally in each, when you read the book in each chapter, her weight is at the top. Mm -hmm. And I think that, like I said, it's gotten a lot better and we've been able to sort of move past that a little bit. Um, but it's just truly not ever going to go away completely. Yeah. And I guess something that I haven't thought about before is just like how unrealistic for, especially for that time period, but just in general, how unrealistic it would be to have four women and none of them are body conscious. Like all of them are like perfectly happy, like satisfied, like feeling good, looking good. Like Carrie is so like Carrie never talks about her body or like ever alludes to like any kind of insecurity like that. Um, So it would be, it's just like, it's not, it's not realistic that like none of them have thought about this. So I do appreciate that, you know, there's, there's just like a a little window in, into Charlotte. Yeah. That's a good point. Let's get into the fashion show. Let's get into real, the real me. Um, because Carrie, so I kind of I opened with this, but Carrie asks a really important question this episode that's not foolish, like the last <laughs> the last question. An actually good question. <laughs> um, she asks, do we ever see ourselves fully? And I think all of the characters in in this episode kind of like really struggle with this idea and like, if how they see themselves is really different than how others perceive them. Yeah, it's true. Like Miranda, for example, (laughs) when she's sweaty and working out at the gym and Captain Crunch calls her sexy and like asks her out. It's kind of like my moment with my friend where he wasn't specifically calling me sexy, um, but just kind of that like, what? (laughs) Like Miranda very much has that moment. And it's, it's funny because when she, you know, she's, she's validated in a, in a feeling or, and she starts to feel it. That's when she starts to like, feel that confidence. She's like, you know what, maybe I am sexy and they go on a date and the longer, and then eventually she's like, I love my friends. I love my job. And she has really, really positive things to say about her life and herself and, and he says, you are a little full of yourself. He doesn't call her back for another date and kind of sees her as narcissistic. Oh, what? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this, I hate that so much. <laughs> You're a little full of yourself. Oh, fuck you, Captain Crunch. Like, <laughs> it's so rude. It's really sending such a bad message, too, because it's one of those things where you can't win. It's like, if you don't feel sexy or confident, then you're insecure. But if you do feel sexy and confident, then you're full of yourself. So what is a Miranda supposed to do? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of like a catch 22 or like at at the very least, like a really fine line to walk. Like you don't want to, yeah, you don't want to be too confident and like full of yourself. Um, and you don't want to be like a puddle <laughs> that, um, you know, is like un- unable to, to see yourself at all. 
Um, yeah, there's a lot of like fear of narcissism kind of like sprinkled throughout this episode, um, which I thought was like such an interesting contrast to this, uh, like this very, I think, normal idea of like, how do others see me? And like, does that match how I see myself? Um, to like, what if you're really narcissistic? And then that's the worst thing that you could ever be. <laughs> it's funny that when you do almost like breach that line of narcissism, like between confidence and narcissism, um, you kind of often, we kind of take ourselves back a little bit with self-deprecating humor. Mm-hmm. And like, they kind of have that conversation with, or Carrie, sorry, kind of has that conversation with Stanford who kind of like, teases himself a little bit and, and says that he's just not, I don't know. He, he's just, he doesn't have very nice things to say about herself, but sorry, himself, but Carrie is very reaffirming. She says, well, you can't see what I see, which I think is like a lovely, lovely little moment as well. Yeah. This is good friend, Carrie. Yes. Yes. I I mean, I don't know about you, but like I rely so heavily on self-deprecating. Well, I don't want to say I rely on it, but I use it a lot. Um, And I I use it a lot, especially to to talk about myself, but also to talk about like my accomplishments, because like it's there's this weird thing where like I can't be fully proud of something that I've done like I have to cut myself down a little bit because like I don't know if it's like that fear of narcissism or like fear of being like too full of yourself but like yeah it's almost like it's so personally like ingrained in in how I talk about myself like I have to cut myself down um so that I'm not like a ballooning ego floating up to the sky (laughs) that's that's interesting and I wonder if that kind of has to do with like comparing yourself to others. I know when I think of my own um, career achievements and that kind of stuff, I, you know, it's easy to browse the LinkedIn or, <laughs> or whatever and kind of compare your own accomplishments to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's kind of, yeah, it's kind of like taking yourself down a notch so you like don't think you're on their level or something. I, there's something there. There's something there for me to talk about with my therapist. But <laughs> Inner saboteur. <laughs> it, it is the inner saboteur, 100%. But yeah, we do kind of rely on others to like hold a mirror to ourselves, to like kind of validate or affirm. I don't know about you, but I have a, like, if I'm feeling down, there's like a person in my roster, a specific person in my roster that I call because I know that they're going to talk me up, you know, mm-hmm. like you just, sometimes you just need that little like piece of validation, just like Samantha <laughs> in that example where she gets the, she gets no confirmation that she's hot, quote, like from the the framer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> No, like I, I do too. Like I very fairly recently, or at least like earlier this year, I don't have a concept of time anymore. Um, <laughs> but I reached out to like my group, like friend group message. And I was like, yeah, having, having a really hard time right now. And I got like a full email from one of them just like, yeah, just gassing me up. And like, um, it, it was so, it was so helpful and like reassuring to, to have, you know, those, those people that you can rely on to like, 
be that mirror when it's really, really hard to, to fully see yourself. 100%. That's a good carry moment. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I kind of talked about it earlier, but um, like there's this kind of norm of like, especially women for like not being able to like fully take a compliment. Um, so like, you know, I, I kind of talked about like, like, um, putting down like something that like I've accomplished or worked on. Um, like if I've ever, I don't know if I've ever like made like a piece of art or something and I like show it to somebody and they're like, Oh, this is so good. Like you, I, I love what you did here. This is great. And I'm like, Oh, it's okay. I don't know. I'm not happy with like this, this, this. <laughs> um, so like I immediately like, it's hard to fully take the compliment and then like cut yourself down afterwards. And I think that's just an interesting, I think it's common. I don't think it's just me that does that, but um, yeah, it's just like really interesting how, how so many people share that. And I wonder where it comes from. And not only that, I feel like you're almost kind of like breaching that narcissistic line again. Like, it's like, if you do take, like if somebody says, Oh, you look really good today or, or like, Oh, the book or the essay you wrote was amazing. Like, I feel like if you're like, yeah, thank you. It is. Or like, yeah, I do look good today. Then I feel like that's a little bit off putting. Like that's almost breaching the line, especially if it's somebody you're not very comfortable with of like, Oh wow. You're full of yourself, which is so funny to think because you're the one that gave them a compliment. I don't, that's just a general you. <laughs> Yes, the plural you. The, the plural you. you that doesn't exist in English, and I wish it did. Uh, but anyways, yeah, it's it's funny. Like the the whole culture around compliment giving is so weird. Mm -hmm. In general, if you think about it too much, have you ever felt frustrated with someone who doesn't want to take a compliment, or have you ever had that? That's a good question. I can't think of a specific moment, but I do think with friends, like if I give them a compliment or, or, you know, try to pump them up because they've like got a promotion at work or they look great for a date or whatever that might be. Um, and they're like, Oh, nah, like I, I could, I could see being a little bit frustrated with like what, like very much like, then you can't see what I see, <laughs> you know, like, I guess it could be. That's such an interesting question. Have you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're like, just um, take it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, def I definitely have felt frustrated before. Just, um, just like, almost to the point of like, please see what I see. Like, please take the compliment. I'm not just like, I'm not giving this to you like out of charity or like, because I don't mean it. Like I just take it. Huh? <laughs> um, yeah. And it, it's a frustration that just like comes out of love and like care for the other person. Um, and just like so badly wanting them to, to see what, what, what you see and what you're trying to, <laughs> what you're trying to compliment them on. So would you say when you receive a compliment, is that where the self-deprecating sort of moment happens? Yeah, it can. It can. Um, a trick that like I've been using to stop myself from doing that, because like if, if I recognize that it's sometimes frustrating for me to give a compliment to someone 
who doesn't take it, then what is it like for them <laughs> if I don't take a compliment? Um, so my trick is I say like, thank you so much with that like particular affect because it sounds kind of like jokey for me. Um, but it's a way for me to take the compliment without it feeling too serious. I've heard you say that (laughs) multiple times and I, I love it. Like it's, it does feel a little jokey, but it's also like very cute and sweet there. There you go. There's a compliment for you. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) I love it. I think I kind of have, um, with compliments, I take very much a route because I also, I feel that sort of like inner shame a little bit or like, you know, that sort of denial that they don't really mean it or anything like that. And I very much take the route of when somebody asks me how I am and my answer is always I'm good because I don't want any more questions if I'm not. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you mm-hmm. tell somebody you're good, they're not going to ask you about it, which <laughs> is something I should work on it. But I think with compliments, I give a very sincere, like, thank you, because Mm -hmm. I don't want, I just want the moment to end. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I just, I don't want them to try to convince me because again, it's like you were saying, it's that frustrating feeling and I don't want them to have it. (laughs) So... I, I very much take the route of like, thank you, goodbye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, end it. It's funny that we're thinking so hard about how we receive compliments because <laughs> it's just, it's it kind of makes me think of earlier in the conversation when we talk about how thoughts about our own physical bodies are like always with us. There's also those thoughts of like how we present ourselves to others or how you know, others do perceive you and how much that is affected by your responses. And yeah, Mm -hmm. just a a lot of like inner, inner thoughts, a lot of inner saboteur happening here. Totally. And I think that's why it's, it can be such like um, a disorienting thing when somebody sees you in a way that like you, you weren't aware of. um, Cause then it's just like, Oh, like, it can, it can open up this can of worms of like, how are other people seeing me that like I have no control over or um, th- it totally different than how I thought I was acting and how I thought I was coming off or how I thought I looked or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Would, and that could actually be a good bridge, <laughs> a good transition into the last episode that we're talking about, which is critical condition. Um, And Carrie kind of deals with critics, (laughs) herself and plural, many others. (laughs) The famous Nina Katz. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That sounded more midsummer, but. (laughs) No, I think it sounded really good. Um, Total side note, we looked up, um, because we think that the actress who plays Nina Katz is fantastic. I think her performance as Nina Katz is like a 10 out of 10 (laughs) because she really is so convincing as the face girl. And apparently she has a YouTube show now, but anyways, (laughs) Um, 
should bring yeah, it back. <laughs> we should, they, I would love to see Nina Katz in the reboot. Would love it. But what is it about Nina Katz that is so powerful more than just her name? <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, okay. So she passes a lot of judgment on Carrie, or at least that's kind of what Carrie gets from her brief interaction with her. Um, and Nina Katz, for context, dated Aiden right after Carrie, meets Carrie in a bathroom somewhere and um, yeah, kind of makes this judgment call about like how she thinks Aiden was impacted after Carrie and, and him broke up. Um, but yeah, I think it kind of taps into that like scary thought of like, what are other people saying about me? What are other people, how are other people perceiving me? And not only how they're perceiving you, but how are they critiquing you and critiquing what you did? And I think a really scary part of this, um, at least from my perspective and maybe for Carrie, is this just like the lack of control over that. Like you can't control who Nina Katz is like running off and talking to about this. And you also can't control her perception of what actually happened. Like Nina doesn't have any of that information about Carrie's perspective and like what she brought to the relationship. She probably Nita Katz only probably has Aiden's perspective. So there's like this lack of control over the truth of the situation, or at least like multiple perspectives. And then you can't put a cap on, on a face that's running amok in, in New York. <laughs> it's so interesting too, because I feel like that relationship perspe- perception, not only is so different between like, you know, Aiden and Carrie, but it's also like you versus yourself in the past. Mm-hmm. I I don't know about you, but I question a lot. Even in my current relationship, I question a lot. Like, am I the partner or was I the partner that I thought I was? So it's like, not only are you challenging like... <laughs> you know, like Nina Katz's perspective from Aiden's perspective, but you're also challenging your own perspective. It's like a cycle. (laughs) Yes. And we kind of see Carrie like, um, you know, spiral, right. And just like that obsession over like, what is this person saying? And um, what is Mashiko Kakatani from the New York Times saying about me? And like, how, how does this come off to other people? And she's kind of like, babbling to to her friends because I I think it's a really it can it can send a lot of people into a spiral because you really can't control it and you you have no idea how that narrative is existing outside of yourself and with other people um yeah I don't know I have (laughs) I spend a lot of time thinking about past past self and past self actions. And like, sometimes it pops up from like when, like I was 13 and I said some like shitty thing to, to a friend and I'm like, Oh my God, like (laughs) who was I? And sometimes it pops up like from yesterday and like (laughs) some, some, was I behaving the best that I could have been? Like, was I, was I being like fair or, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm always kind of thinking about that. I agree. Again, it's like one of those things that's always ingrained into you. Do I look right? Did I act right? Like, it's just something you're constantly questioning. I did read a comment on Reddit once that has stuck with me, like, to this day. And it said, you'd care a lot less about what people thought if you realized how little they did. 
And I think that of course, and it's, it's completely valid to have these fears about what other people are saying about you. And Carrie, I mean, that is a very real face. That face is no joke (laughs) that Nina Katz gives Carrie. Like there is some judgment. There are some feelings there. Um, But I think to kind of think about how, what we're talking about this like inner monologue that we challenge with ourselves within ourselves all the time it's almost like we're so hyper-focused on that that we have to realize that everybody else is too. You know what I mean? Like people uh, in general, (laughs) and yes, of course, I'm making a big generalization. I know that there's Samanthas out there. I know that there are people that probably don't focus on this as much as perhaps we do, but I think in the end, like, I think in the end that there is a lot more self-criticism than there, like you are your own worst critic. Like there's a lot more self-criticism than people running around telling all the cast of Saturday Night Live. Um, But yeah, I think the biggest, it's such a lame cliche, but I think the biggest critic is yourself. (laughs) It is, but like, it's, it's so true. And it, it reminds me of this quote from Hannah Horvath in Girls. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's always Love stuck it. out to me, but any mean things someone's going to think of to say about me, I've already said it about me to myself probably in the last hour. Um, and it's, it is so true. Like we're, we live with our thoughts. We live with all of that. Um, it's, con- it's constantly going on in our head and it's so hard to step outside of that and realize like people just literally don't have the time to think about you as much as you have the time to think about yourself. Um, and to like extend some empathy to Carrie in this episode. Cause like, I think there's many moments where she's so cringy <laughs> and just like, let it go. Oh my God. Um, but like, I've been there and like, I've had those like moments of obsession um, where I feel almost like I'm a broken record and I can like step outside of my body and like see myself like going on and on and on and trying to like validate this, all of these thoughts that I'm having in my head with other people. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like (laughs) the person is me. (laughs) It's it's not anybody else. Like the the person I need to deal with is me. Um, So it's a, I think, I think you're right. I think it's the truth that a lot of people struggle with. yeah. We, we need a like an inner Samantha to sort of like check ourselves because she has a moment where she kind of checks Carrie and her obsession. What is that moment? Yes. Um, Samantha's babysitting Brady and Carrie calls to ramble through another, uh, I don't know, scenario that she's cooked up in her head. And I just love how Samantha answers the phone. Like, what? <laughs> She's got a baby on her hands. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's so good. And she says, like, I don't have time to talk about this. Maybe one of your other friends or, oh, it's such a good moment. It is. And it, you know, it kind of like harkens back to like the the mirror idea too, right? Of just like, if I'm ever at that point, I hope I have a Samantha in my life that's going to say like, no, I don't have time for this. Like you're, you need to check in on yourself kind of thing and be that mirror for me. Yeah. A little bit of tough love is definitely necessary sometimes. 
Yes. Whether that comes from within yourself or from a friend, as long as you can recognize that that critic is truly an inner saboteur. I love how many times we've said that this episode. Well, it's it's important to have a healthy perception of self, but you don't want to get too caught up in it. And if you do get too caught up in it, I hope you have a group, a group of friends or a, a good therapist to to help bring yourself back down to earth. Because as Carrie kind of tells Charlotte in so many words, like it's it's truly all in your head, like how you how you see yourself and like obsessing over how others see you is a lot of that is so constructed in, in your own brain. Thank you so much for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe. And if you feel so inclined, DM us a post-it note. Yeah. And on that note, remember to follow us on Instagram at don't hate us pod. And we'll see you all next time. Yeah.